And we are live for this evening's Freedom Series episode with Angus Thurston, mate. How are you doing this evening? Very good, mate. Yourself? Mate, living the dream. It's uh, an amazingly stormy night here in uh, usually sunny Perth, by the way. And I'm really, really pumped to chat to you, mate, about your kind of path to freedom. Uh, you run a phenomenal trades business. And uh, I know that we speak to a lot of tradies who have massive amount of issues with hiring the right staff, uh, with gaining consistency in terms of workflow and things like that. I know this is something that you've started to absolutely nail within your business. And I'm keen to kind of share that with everyone watching this evening. And, you know, if you're joining us uh, from anywhere in the world right now, welcome. Thank you so much for, for being here. Super grateful. And I trust you're going to get a huge amount of value tonight. And can I just ask you one thing, and that is to uh, start a watch party and to share this out to community as well, because there'll be a bunch of stuff to, uh, to share with you guys this evening. Uh, Rafi from my team is uh, monitoring all the chats everywhere we are right now. So at any stage throughout the next sort of half an hour, 45 minutes, please feel free to put any comments, any questions you've got down below, and we'll absolutely be sure to uh, get them answered for you as well. So Angus, for those of uh, the amazing people out there tonight who uh, haven't met you before, do you want to just give like a one or two senses of kind of who you are and what sort of business you run? Um, yeah, so we're, we're based in Sydney. We're a small like resi building company. We focus Obviously, lately, we've really started to niche down on who we're focusing on, but it's really aimed at new custom homes, luxury sort of renovations and new builds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So where did things start for you? Because like where you are now um, and how your business operates now is very different to how it was a couple of years ago. So could you maybe just kind of take us through um, where you had a couple of years ago? I, I guess the importance is, is that there's a lot of business owners out there that are struggling right now. Um, and to, to be fair, we're probably struggling before COVID-19 uh, and a lot of the shit we've had to go through this year, but yeah. nonetheless are struggling. And, you know, I know that it doesn't have to be that way. And you know that now as well. And I guess, you know, our hope through running this freedom series uh, in the lead up to the launch of my new book, The Path to Freedom is to kind of provide as much free information um, and insights into business owners to, I guess, inspire them, give them hope that uh, things can be different to how they've currently been. So take us back a couple of years ago, mate. How are things for you? Um, well, I suppose I've been doing this, working like this company's been running for about six or seven years now, I suppose. Um, yeah. I started out just as a chippy, um, started out subcontracting to other people and whatnot, just sort of basically doing whatever I could to try and get a bit of cash in the door. Um, from then sort of went to me to having one apprentice and now there's about eight or nine of us. Um, and from up sort of fast forward a couple of years to say two years ago, things have changed like massively. I've always, I've always had a pretty strong mindset. You know what I mean? Like I've always, always done things that that might've cost me money at the time, but I could see where it was going to help me in the future, I suppose. Um, which was a big thing, I suppose, coming on board with the game changers as well, which having having the right mindset at the start of it, I think sort of has helped me sort of boost ahead a little bit quicker than what I could have if I didn't have that mindset. Um, yeah. But yeah, now, I mean, I'm in a pretty good place now. It's, I suppose the, the best part for me is being able to sit back and look down on the company from above and I suppose you can sort of see all the little 
all the little levers that you can pull on and whatnot to push the company forward. That, that for me, that's where it gets exciting. Um, you know, I mean, we can pull on your marketing lever, get more leads coming in and it's, you're not, you're not worried about the work coming in. You're not worried about stuff not, in, not getting done properly, I suppose. And yeah. you know, no, it's just, it's a good place to be, I suppose. Yeah. So if we go back two years ago, if you can remember, like what were some of the challenges that you were having back then in, in running a business? Like, like <laughs> where you are now, you see those levers, you said, you know, you, you can see which ones to pull to make happen. And, and essentially there's no worry or fear around business or business succeeding. But I know it wasn't like that a couple of years ago. Like what were some of the challenges that you were having a couple of years back? Uh, definitely hiring and onboarding new staff was a massive one, which I know you, you may have spoken about previously. Um, that was, that was a big game changer as well. Having uh, like, probably like a lot of tradies out there, I had the mindset of there's no good tradesmen left out there. <laughs> many, many business uh, owners, not just tradies, many business owners have the belief that, you know, I can't find someone as good as me or as consistent as me or as productive yeah. as me. Yeah, hundred percent. And like I've I've had countless conversations with people prior to that, going, oh, they're all going to uni. They're just there's no good traders left out there. It's it's bullshit, really. Sorry if I'm allowed to swear on here or not, but um, yeah, I've had a complete mindset shift on that, which has been awesome. Um, to now that there are good people out there, we were just doing a terrible job of hiring them. Yeah. Or finding them, I should say. <laughs> Both. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, what was workflow like back then? Was there consistency workflow or was workflow kind of up and down as you as you jumped around from like quoting to sales to kind of delivering and and also not just workflow, but the quality of work and the profitability of work back then? Well, I suppose we weren't, we didn't really have our finger on the pulse in terms of profitability that much, not like not as much as we do like these days, um, it was like, we've, we've always had work, but it was always at the back of your mind, relying on word of mouth is, mm. it's just, it's a vulnerable place to be. I think, yeah. um, if you've got no other marketing funnels or no other streams of leads coming in, just, just relying on that in itself, when things do go bad, it's sort of like, well, that's, that's my only source of, marketing um yeah but yeah yeah so out of curiosity if you're watching this live right now uh if you could if you could have one of three swipe and deploy blueprints in your business not right now i'm curious to know which one you'd have would you a have one that would guaranteeedly hire you like the, the top tier talent anytime you run an ad you just attracted the most amazing employees for your business who want to pay play and stay long term that's number one would you like number two, would you like, a, a, you know, like a swipe and deploy system to generate, you know, consistency in high quality leads uh, for your business? Or number three, would you like the methodology to develop like a bulletproof mindset, a mindset that allows you to kind of overcome and get through any challenge or obstacle or adversity that you're faced with? So one being a system for hiring team, two being a system for generating amazing leads or three being mindset. Like if you could wave your magic wand right now and just comment in the chat uh, below wherever you're watching this, which one would you take on board? So I guess like a couple of years ago, uh, challenges with hiring the right staff, believing there wasn't any good staff out there. <laughs> you had a pretty strong mindset and, and, and mindsets, it's very complex as such. And there's many layers and many viewpoints. Uh, yeah. There was an aspect of mindset <laughs> that was believing that there was no good staff out there, 
but you had the mindset in terms of you were determined and willing to step in, willing to face it, you know, being uncomfortable to learn new things or to, you know, invest now for rewards later. It wasn't, you weren't playing the short term game. Yeah, exactly. And I, I wouldn't say it was like a sophisticated mindset. It was more a stubborn mindset, like a bit of a bull in a China store. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'll get there, but it, it'll be messy along the way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> And so then there was inconsistency of work coming in as well um, because you're kind of trying to, I guess, wear many hats and keep, keep the business afloat. Mm. Now, if we kind of move forwards to, let's say, six months ago, like pre, pre-COVID um, as well, like where were things at for you and for the business? So I know traditionally trade businesses, uh, you know, we're talking trade businesses specifically at this point in time, but are quite busy in the lead up to Christmas time, maybe flatten off a little bit early mm. in Jan. Like what, was thing, what were things like for you kind of earlier uh, end of last year, start of this year, six months ago? Uh, they, were, they were pretty consistent. Like we'd, we'd managed to lock in like some good contracts over that period of time, which was good. It saw us through that sort of rough patch. Um, we had a couple couple of jobs get postponed. Um, and I know a lot of other tradies, not just tradies, business owners in general, had a lot of, a lot of scarcity out there at that point in time. Um, but we sort of, we've come through it and now we're busier than we were pre-COVID, so yeah. I don't know. It's hard to sort of. I was predicting it to sort of dive off a little bit, but it's sort of done the complete opposite. Yeah. Um, yeah. How how was your mindset? There's a couple of questions I got here, and then we'll we'll move into a different direction. But like, how was your mindset coming into that? Like, I know that there was typically a lot of fear in the marketplace and a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. during that time. Like, how was your mindset? you know, having ha- had in place all the things that you've done and kind of been through some considerate work with upgrading your inner game as well. Yeah. Like what was your mindset like during those times? Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty strong. Like I was, I was quite confident that everything would be fine. Obviously, we had plans in place. Should obviously everything get shut down, we couldn't work. We were, we were read up, like set up, ready to go but four different sort of contingency plans that we were ready to put in place, which also gave me a bit of peace of mind. You know what I mean? To sit back and go, look, if this does happen, then we know, we know what we got to do. It might not be comfortable, but we know what we got to do before yeah. beforehand, which is just, it's a better place to be than to be scrambling to try and make something happen last minute. Yeah. And I feel, unfortunately, that's where like I, I, see a lot of business owners are at is because of uh, the sheer amount that they feel they have to do day to day and not being clear on what those levers are. It's mm. like they're managing a million different things that when something happens, like, like let's just say COVID or uh, tax time comes around, something happens, they're faced with a situation that they're not prepared for. And so therefore it creates even more stress in the organization. Whereas when there is things set up the, the, the right way, um, obviously things like, like COVID happened. And as you said, like you're prepared, you had four different contingency plans in place. They wouldn't have been comfortable or easy, but you are aware of what had to happen, which then allows you to f- just focus on, on taking one step in front of the other every day and, and focusing the work at hand, which ended up getting in a position where you've come out the other side even stronger for it. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think in that position, when you are wearing so many hats in, in a small business, it's very hard to step back and see the bigger picture when you're running around estimating, quoting, doing all the all the little bits and pieces that you may not need to do, yeah. it's very hard to sit back and put your put your creative hat on for a minute and come up with new ventures for the company, new ideas for the company. 
Well, it's, it's so, so hard because the part of your brain is, is almost moved into a space of like fight or flight and scarcity. Yeah. And, and that part of the brain that creates all those chemicals to keep us safe when those things mm. happen are, are very different chemicals than ones that create innovation and growth and abundance in that regard as yeah, well. Uh, we've, got, we've got a bunch of questions coming in, which I'm going to get to in a second. Before we do, though, like I'm curious to know, um, no doubt there's people watching this right now, either live or on the replay. If you are, please hit the, the like or the love button. Let us know that you're there. Um, say good day. Let us know where you're calling in from. Um, that may be where you were a couple of years ago, mm. right? Um, what were some of the steps that you took to get from there to now? If you look back, like what were some of the big uh, high moments or the, or, or the steps or the defining moments that allowed you to start to transition from, because I get it, like business owners are like, oh, hey, like I'm overwhelmed. I've already got a million things to do. How can I now go and do more stuff to move forwards? But yet that's almost what gets us stuck as well. Like what were some of the things that you did to, to transition from there to now? Um, I probably started doing less, to be honest. I started, just started doing, started trusting my team more and doing less of what I didn't want to be doing and more of what I wanted to be doing. And like we were just talking about taking that time to really sit back and allow yourself the time to come up with what direction you want the company to head in, you know, and sort of get, get out of the rat race for a little bit and, and just enjoy, enjoy the journey of business, I suppose. I've really started to enjoy it the last couple of years. It's so counterintuitive though, because it's like, oh, I've got bills to pay. I've got yeah. tax, to, tax to sort out. I've got to get all this work done. Like, how can I do less? But I, I remember distinctly that moment for me, you know, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, when I was stuck in my office, it was 2 a.m. in the morning. I was still programming jobs for my CNC machine, kitchens to cut out. And there was this, I almost like this voice from God or something. It's like, it'll be there tomorrow. Like the work will still be there tomorrow. Yeah. And, and me staying around for another hour, another five hours, wasn't going to change the fact of where things were at. Yeah. And, and it was the battle that I had to, to face and overcome in myself um, that started to see things shift significantly. And, and equally too, it's like we teach a process, as you know, the task order, which is, which is just that. It's one of the first things we teach our clients and it's something we give away uh, in the book as well because it allows you to start to take that disassociated viewpoint of looking into your business, looking into your tasks, your roles, your responsibilities and start to question them in a way that's like, do I actually need to be doing this stuff yeah. or can my team be doing it or should we not be doing it at all? Cause it's not moving us forwards. And it really starts to create the separation from being like busy to being productive. Like you can be busy or you can be productive, but, but often you can't be busy and productive, right? There's be more purpose in the, the projects and the tasks that we're doing. Yeah, 100%. Like the task order is, I've done it myself and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a massive help. It's, it's like just doing that, just doing a brain dump of everything getting out of your head and putting it on paper or a spreadsheet, whatever. It, it always helps to sort of push you forward and clear some of that stuff out of your mind so you can get a bit more creative and can think what's going to push your company forward more, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. If you just joined us live, uh, welcome. Thanks for coming. Uh, please feel free to put your comments, uh, your questions below, and we'll get them answered in just a second. So, so for you, what you're saying is, is if there's people out there watching this right now that are kind of overwhelmed, got a million things on board, there's inconsistency with jobs, one of the first steps before anything is to do less. And in doing that, it's to kind of essentially brained up all the stuff you're doing out of your head. And um, we, we do include the process within the book if you want to get the book as well. My team put a link below. We're taking pre-orders now. Um, dump all the stuff out. We go through, a, a, I guess, a sorting 
process to sort them into four buckets. And then from those four buckets, the steps around, based on what bucket they sit in, how to start to move those tasks to other team members or to other contractors uh, or to other priority lists in such a way that you can be focusing on what's moving business forwards. Because unfortunately, a lot of business owners are undercharging for the services that they're putting forth or products they're putting forth. They're, they're putting out products and services that aren't profitable as well. And they're doing a whole bunch of stuff that's not within uh, their sweet spot as well, which means that, you know, like I remember, like I used to clean my office and one night, this is a long time ago, I was like, why am I like sweeping and vacuuming when I can hire someone for 25 bucks now to do this? Like I can go and quote a job right now, win a job and make myself like a few hundred bucks an hour. Yeah. Like why the hell am I here? Like vacuuming and mopping the floor. But yet so often when people move into business, they come from being an employee with an employee mindset, which is like hard work or more work equals more money. Yet in business, it's the complete opposite. It's like more leverage, right? Better thinking creates more money. Yeah, it's and having a much more strategic overview of the company, isn't it? Like like you were just saying, you bet <laughs> you're sitting there mopping floors, but you can go out and quote one job and then delegate the rest of the tasks and it's probably paid for a cleaner for a month. Yeah. I know, I personally, I, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs have that have that streak in them where they just want to keep going and going and going forward, whether it's mopping floors or cleaning their desks, you know what I mean? As long as there's, if there's something in front of them, it's very easy to get distracted and just focus on getting that one thing done. Um, yeah. So, and having the ability to sort of step back and go, turn that energy towards something that's going to push you forward a bit more. Well, something's going to bring about an ROI. Um, like, yeah. sure, if you enjoy cleaning the floors, like, do it. Like, if you're passionate about it and it gives you bars and, give, and gives you energy, absolutely do it. But um, unfortunately, there's a lot of people making stupid decisions. It's like, you know, smart people spend uh, spend money to save time. Stupid people spend time to save money. Yeah. You know, so look at, look at and the task audit goes through it as well, like looking at what we're doing, how much time we're putting into it and whether or not we can hire someone else. And it is a mindset shift because, like, I haven't got any money right now. It's like, we haven't got any money because you clean the bloody floors or the toilets or you're doing your own bookkeeping, all these other things. It's like, if you found someone to do that stuff, you could then spend your time going quoting more jobs or delivering more jobs or selling more product, the things that generate a higher ROI. Let's jump into the questions for a second. Uh, so Nathan from Brisbane. Hey, Nathan, how you doing, mate? Uh, for Angus, do you have a young training program in the works? Young training program for like for apprentices or- Yeah, I'm assuming that's, that's what you're asking. Yeah. Uh, well, that's- it's a great question to be honest because it sort of comes back to the the hiring section that we're at, at the start of this um like as you know Barry, like it's all it's all well and good to bring on sort of a-game talent but if you don't have if you don't have that back-end training or the culture within your company like that, that the talent's not they're either going to leave or they're going to turn into bad employees because they just don't they don't care about what you're doing because there's no sense of fulfillment in the for them, I suppose. Um, yeah. So yeah, we definitely do. Um, it's we, it's still a work in progress, but like we do monthly meetings, we do monthly training workshops for the guys. Like there's there's a lot involved in keeping that culture strong, I suppose. Once the once the onboarding is sort of done. Yeah, and it depends what stage of growth you're at too. Like um, I've seen work with a lot of traders and see a lot of traders that are like the sole trader. And they want to start growing the business. So one of the first hires is an apprentice because they think, oh, well, it's cheap and I can train them up. What they're not thinking though, like, again, stupid decision. Most traders do it, stupid decision because you're going to spend a ton of time 
training that person is a huge risk. And most likely, you should at hiring people that early on in business. Yes. So you make a dud hire. <laughs> you, you then hold on to them for way too long because you, you have a beautiful heart and you want to kind of look after them, but they're costing you a ton of time and you're not able to leave them alone on site because they're an apprentice. And what we often say is if you're very early on as a, as a sole trader and want to grow a trades business, first utilize contractors. Now, straight away, it's like, oh, yeah, but contractors cost more money. Yes, but if you can't make a margin off them, you're not running a profitable business. Like if you're a sole trader, you should be able to charge out other sole traders and make a margin on top. And if you can't, you're not running the right margins. And so that's what we always recommend in the beginning is to kind of like it's very, very low risk to outsource mm. that labor to grow things up. And I know there's a bunch of objections. People are probably thinking right now watching this. Oh, yeah, but what if I steal my work? What if this? What if this? Yes, we've got strategies to overcome all of that. But equally, too, if you, if you are now in a business where you've got four, five, six employees and you've got some really good quality traders, it, it is a time to bring on board apprentices and start to train that, you know, play that longer term game, train some phenomenal talent because you have a hiring process in place that hopefully is proven and works, right, without getting stuck for, for an apprentice for four years mm-hmm. to bring in younger talent, to give them a go and to, to, to build up a phenomenal culture uh, that way as well. So, so and uh, sorry, just, just on the back of that, like that's, that's sort of where we're at is training them up and keeping them within finding one, finding someone that's a really good cultural fit and then bringing them up through the company. And then potentially they're going to stay with the company for a lot longer period of time. So like you said, it is a much longer term investment, but you hope that it pays off that if you're, if you're onboarding is good and your culture is good and it's all sort of keeping up with each other, then yeah, that's, I tend to agree. That's a lot more work than put than getting subbies, but the payoff may be bigger the same time if you work out the cost of five years of training opposed to subbing out the work and getting it done. Yeah. Then I suppose you've got to weigh which one's more profitable really, don't you? Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is, is actually question the assumptions and not just make like not make the assumption I'm hiring this person because they're cheaper. Well, they're, yeah. they're not really when you work the numbers out, but equally to understanding what stage of business growth you're at and understanding like what's my short-term play right here? What do I need right now? Do I need cash? Do I need talent? Do I need time? And what's my longer-term play? Um, Sam from Melbourne, late in the show, uh, has he talked about if he was able to achieve some surprise wins in the past few months, like expansion amongst others? So, Angus, over the past couple of months during COVID, what were some of the wins that you guys did have? Um. I suppose a win was just keeping open and keeping a constant flow of leads coming in through the whole thing. Like we've probably had 50% more inquiries since COVID's come along. To me, that was a bit of a win, just knowing that that our our stuff that we're putting in place is working. Um, yeah, like we've we've had some big big wins with the team as well. I suppose all the teams working, they all work to KPIs and that kind of thing, which they quite enjoy because it not to sort of take away from it, but it does gamify it a little bit for them, I suppose. Absolutely. And they're, they're all quite competitive. So they, they like that, that chase of hitting all their KPIs and whatnot. So even with COVID there, we have had a lot of, a lot of wins, um, little ones, big ones, I suppose they're all, all the little ones pushing up to our major, our major vision. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One thing, I guess, from an outside point of view looking in, the main thing is just how consistent you stayed through that time and our focus stayed on moving forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which was, you know, regardless of what happened, it was out of your control. What was in your control of how you chose to show up, how you chose to lead your team, the fact that you kept running your marketing, you kept on doing your quotes and that sort of thing. You kept showing up and didn't get distracted 
by all the uncertainty that was being plastered across social media. Like, I don't know, like it wasn't that long ago. Do you remember your newsfeed was just like everything COVID negative, like bullshit related. Yeah, um, I just, I just turned it off. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, which was, I think the right thing to do to stay focused on at hand. At the end of the day, if you got shut down, you got shut down, but you made, you made hay while the sun shined. Uh, as well and managed to ride through. Vanessa commented too, the task order is a game changer. Uh, abs absolutely is. So um, let's talk about hiring, Angus, because you're someone who has taken our hiring process and just nailed it. Um, <laughs> you took on board what we've said, you've nailed it. Um, you've done an incredible job. And I know that it's, it's one of the biggest problems that many, many business owners face is firing, you know, firing, it, not firing, they do plenty of that, is hiring top tier, top tier talent. Can you kind of talk us through I guess without going through the whole strategy per se, we do we do teach it in the book. We do give the flowcharts, we give the interview questions, like we give the how tos. Everything's in the book or a free downloadable resource um, off the back of the book um, as well. But can you kind of talk us through, I guess, what some of the changes have been from how you used to hire staff to maybe how you hire them now? I think a massive a massive part of it was really like I spent probably eight hours like creating an avatar for my ideal employee. So the same as you would with your marketing, really defining your, who you're targeting, who you want to come into the company and fit within like the core values you've set for the company, which is something I've never done before. I used to, if, if someone gave me someone's number, I'd give them a call. Yeah, you want to start Monday? Cool. Let's, let's do it for a week and see how it goes. And then it would, generally drag out for a month and I go, yeah, it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> and cost you a shitload of money and time in the process. Exactly. Um, yeah. Not to mention, it's not a great look for you to your clients either having a big turnover of staff. Um, and also yeah. too, like, like it's, it's, it's a shit thing for culture. Yeah. Massively. Massively. So yeah, I think really defining like, because it's not, it's, it's kind of different to sit back and go, I want this exact person down to a T. It's, <laughs> you get a lot more out of it by doing that. And it, it does take, it takes a bit more time up front, but once you've got it now, we push a button, the ad goes out, it's, it's done. You know what I mean? It's, it's very easy to implement now that we've set it all up. And the predictability too now is is ridiculous in yeah. terms of like there's this absolute certainty that you literally push the button, which is all it is to post an ad, and you know with absolute certainty that within a period of time you're going to bring on board another incredible team member as you have done in the past because it's a proven process. But you know, as you said, you've put the work up front when when many wouldn't. It's yeah. like oh, I'm just busy. I just need someone. Like start on Monday, but then the op opportunity cost of that is huge. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it was hard not to not to go back to my old ways and start smashing China again because I wanted to just put it out there and just grab someone because I needed them. But I, I resisted and stayed true to that path. And yeah, it's it was a good good decision. Yeah. Yeah, standing. If you guys have got any questions uh, watching it tonight, today live, uh, please, if you have any questions around the hiring process, anything for Angus and myself, uh, jump in the comments and let us know and we'll get them answered for you shortly. Um, so Angus, what have been some of the other defining moments for you that have really turned business around? Like a lot of people dream of being in a position where their business is kind of operating consistently. They've got an amazing team that's kind of living the work. They don't necessarily have to, you don't necessarily have to show up to do anything and your team does their things. The stuff you do now, like you said before we jumped on, you've been spending a lot of time 
um, training more on marketing and stuff. That's a, a passion of yours now. Uh, but the business itself is, is running very well to where it was a couple of years ago. And I know there's a lot of people that just dream of being there. What have been some of the other things, like you mentioned before, and obviously the task audit and organizing, you know, what you're doing, but what have been some of the other ones for you? Um, what else have we had in there? The, the, the task audit was massive. Um, like, we, like we said, even just going through that process, which I know you put in your book, um, just going through that process and getting it all out of your head. And it's, it's kind of like you finish it and you just feel like, this wave of relief come over you like, all right, I can relax now and pick out what I actually want to do. Um, that, that's been cool. Um, the marketing side of stuff is it's a whole new world to me. Obviously there's not many, not many tradies out there that are good marketers or copywriters or anything like that. Um, yeah, that, that's probably marketing has been a massive defining thing for me, I'd say. Yeah. But like the ability to, really understand other people's problems like if not better as good as they would like you to if that makes sense yeah um like understanding their problems better than they do is something i've never even thought about in terms of marketing like obviously coming like school i hate i hated school when i was when i was in high school um purely because i didn't I didn't see any worth in what I was learning. Um, I left school, became a carpenter. I was on site for the rest of my life till I started this company. Um, and you, you just, you don't get taught those things very often, you know what I mean? Unless you go do a marketing degree or do that. This, you don't really get taught the ins and outs of it and having the ability to, to speak, you don't have to be an expert. I don't think with, with those kind of things, even like accounting, marketing, being an expert is not crucial, but being able to speak the language of the people that do it for you, I think is crucial because if you yeah. don't know what they're doing, then yeah. It's... That's a huge, huge point is, you know, it's very difficult to find a marketing agency off the get go that will understand your clients as well as you do. And often even as business owners, we don't really understand our clients that well, but we still understand more than marketing agencies. So actually then act actively spending time to do it. And this is where Angus, like I, I was curious to know from your perspective, um, for me, this is, this is where you can start to charge a lot more money. This is where you can start to win a lot more work and not compete on price because the customer knows that, that you know them, that they, that they feel a huge amount of trust there. There's a huge amount of authority. Like, have you noticed going through this process that you win more work now, that you win better quality clients, that you're more profitable? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I, I'll turn away a lot of stuff now. If it, if it doesn't, not, not that it doesn't interest me. If I don't feel it's a good fit, cult, like culturally with them, with us, um, if, if the profit's not there, then I won't do it. I won't just go chase anything that I want. I'll sort of take the pick of what I want to do. Mm. Um, which is, it's very nice to be able to sort of pick your work like that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of what, sorry, I was just gonna say, it's kind of what attracted me to, to yourself, Barry. Like you don't just sort of say one thing and do another thing. It's very evident with the people. I think you attracting your team and the people around you that, you know, it is, it's true and it works basically. Yeah. Yeah. We, we qualify, we qualify a lot of people out. Mm. Um, 
but likes attract likes. And that's the thing is that there's, there's a, there's a few aspects here. It depends on how like woo we want to go. There's the one aspect, which is just, you know, through you understanding your client's problems. It's, it's, I think it was Eugene Swartz at Sweat said that if you can articulate somebody's problems to them better than they can themselves, they unconsciously and automatically assume you have the solutions, mm. right? So if you can go and meet a prospect, and I used to do this when I ran my kitchen business is that I would be able to like, just talk the talk. And it wasn't bullshit. Like I knew, I knew kitchens, I knew renovations, like the back of my hand, even better. And it was evident whenever I had a conversation with someone that they would just, they would buy me then and there because of how knowledgeable it was, because of how much I gave them, just, just in terms of the free advice. Like they knew that I knew them. Um, and that's great. But then if we talk from an energetic standpoint, it's like the universe only ever just says yes to us. And so if we start taking on board shitty clients or clients that don't pay well or clients that, that, we have, that we think that we have to heavily discount because we need the work, the universe just says yes and sends us more of those. And any business owner that's gone through this process, and I know they'll agree with me in a moment when I share it, any business owner that's gone through a process where they've said no to a client because they weren't right, knows how significantly that, that impacts the future of your business. That first no, when it's like, you know what, this is not a fit for us. Like, no, like we're not gonna do this. Or no, I'm not gonna give you a discount. Like the clients you attract there and afterwards, the workflow that you get is so different because you value who you are and what you're about. Mm. And it's clear in that. And, and then the universe can show up and be like, hey, Angus, here's more of those dream clients of yours because you've told us what you want, right? And also we're more noticeable to see them out there. But it's, it's often a hard point I see for a lot of business owners to make because it's like, well, I've got to pay my bills. I've got, you know, I prefer the table. I need jobs coming. And they say yes to everything and wonder why they're not making profit. They're running around in bloody circles. They can't attract good clients. You know, they're, they're, you know clients don't pay on time or always want discounts and then they wonder why they start eventually get to a place where they can't win work. You know, they're not winning work is after a long line of not valuing themselves enough to charge what they're worth and, and uh, go out there and only bring on board clients that they want to serve. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree with you. You're sort of, you end up burning a candle on both ends and running on the hamster wheel, so to speak, getting nowhere really. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, Nathan here. Nathan uh, asks, Angus, could you share one to two cities or regions that you uh, see a potential good areas for the construction industry to expand to? It's um, a great question. I don't know. This is probably a good question for George McCoskey. I know he loves loves this kind of thing. Um, well, Brisbane, Sunshine Coast, Gold mm. Coast, the, the kind of golden triangle up there is still a very yeah. good in investment opportunity therefore there's plenty of construction going on yeah in terms of cities like sydney's i think sydney's always going to be a massive hub for construction there's just there's no plans on anything slowing down in sydney um like if you come i'm out from like kellyville kind of way if you come out here if you were out here a year ago and come out here now you wouldn't recognize the place and it's 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 not slowing down like you look at the population increase and all that kind of stuff overseas migration like it's it's massive still like everyone says it's it's slowing down but at the end of the day people need somewhere to live don't they so yeah yeah absolutely absolutely with the growing population hmm. absolutely but once again uh, regardless like if you have the right yeah, if you know your niche very well and you have the right offer you're always going to be busy or you know be in a position where you can attract work as well and i guess that's why two things like one is you need to know that two is you need to be free from your business. 
So you can be having, like you said, that over, over, oversight view of what's going on. So you can start to see when the market's shifting and you know modify your strategy and modify your approach to the market to ensure that you always have business coming through. And as you said, Angus, like you had four different contingency plans in place if COVID forced you to shut down to ensure you could keep moving through. Mm-hmm. Now, it wasn't necessarily going to be what you wanted to do, but you had them in place to ensure you could keep trading, you know, in, in some form or another. And I think we only get to that stage when we can get free of doing all those things in the business that we don't enjoy doing that aren't revenue generating, that aren't providing good ROI of our time and that are keeping us stuck on the hamster wheel. Yeah, 100%. Like, I never saw that, that thing I put up the other day. If, what was it? If you if you go to war without a plan, you die. I, don't, I can't remember where I heard that, but it really resonated with me, you know what I mean? Like, because without even, there's so many business owners out there that really are making decisions like reactively making decisions daily or weekly or even even monthly but once once you set that out into yearly three yearly ten yearly goals and then break that down even further into quarterly chunks it's much easier to see how you need what you need to do to get to where you want to be yeah absolutely and, and and that entire system we include in the book, The Path to Freedom as well. You know, like it's all intertwined, everything from your vision, mission, values, through to your goals, through to your mentioned KPIs, through to hiring team to execute them. Like it's all part of the system that we teach here uh, within my book. If you want to jump with the pre-order, I'll get roughly to put a link down here. We're taking pre-orders, uh, official release of the 3rd of August, which is pretty exciting. Uh, we opened up pre-release orders yesterday and it was just amazing the response uh, that we've had from people and equally two people who read the book already that was lucky enough to get a copy have uh, shared some pretty amazing feedback too. Yeah. I'm, sorry. I'm still waiting for my copy to turn up on my doorstep. Yeah, you must, absolutely. You must have forgot about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, in the printers, in the printers. So mate, a um, couple of questions. If anyone's out there's got any questions, please feel free to uh, ask them now. Otherwise we'll be wrapping up shortly. Mate, if you were to give advice to the 10 year old version of you, uh, you know, having been through what you've been through now, knowing what you know, what advice would you give him? Mm. That's a great question. You stumped me there a bit. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> um, First thing that comes to mind. I'll probably say enjoy learning instead of like find something you enjoy and just learn as much as you can about it, you know, and find mentors, be a sponge and suck up as not as much knowledge as early as you can. I wish like, I wish I didn't wait as long to start being a sponge. Mm. I'd have done it maybe five years earlier. Um, insane. I'm not, not running short of time, hopefully, but if, <laughs> if I could have, could have said anything, it would be that just, just find something that you enjoy and, learn from learn from mentors and, and yeah i noticed there's kind of a common theme amongst a few things that you've shared and really um i can see two attributes to the success that you're getting and that is that you're very prepared to and, and willing to play a longer term game than most mm. i feel that um often we go into business and we underestimate what we can achieve in a short period of time it's like we're sold this reality that we can build a you know a hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollar a year income overnight in the online world and you know wake up and check our stripe account we've got cash in the bank yeah um and although 
absolutely it's possible. Uh, I think that the time frame is very manipulated by some of the people that are selling this dream. Uh, and I absolutely believe that you can get to a position where you can have a business that runs without you and makes you a ton of money. I don't just believe it, like I know it to be the fact and I've seen it and helped many create it. But I just think the people's expectations of what it takes to get there are a bit off. And I guess that's what I'd say too, is that, you know, be prepared to do the work and be careful not to kind of compare your first chapter to someone else's fifth chapter. Like you have no idea what others have got to have been through or what they, what they have been through to get to where they are. But it's one thing I noticed about you, Angus, time and time again, you actually came into our community with that already, which was a little bit rarer, which is your ability to play the longer term game and, and play more of a patience game than trying to be kind of quick just to get shit done. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So mate, if there's anyone out there right now who uh, is watching this, maybe they're a chippy or they know a chippy who's looking for a job uh, within New South Wales, or maybe it's someone who's looking for a new renovation. Like what's the easiest way they can get in contact with you? Um, easiest way is probably just hit us up via email, just at info at Timberworks. That's T-I-M-B-E-R-W-O-R-X.com.au. Um, and we'll yeah, definitely get back to them. Yeah, fantastic. Just a couple of last comments here. Angela Nicholas said the government's also investing heavily in infrastructure. Yeah, the government, I know for a fact that during COVID, uh, the construction was the last thing they wanted to shut down because they knew that if they were going into like countrywide uh, lockdown, construction is something that generates a lot of income within the country and something they wanted to, to keep open as long as humanly possible. And they managed to do that in most areas. Yeah, well, I think it's like something like 10, 15% is of... Australia's population is directly employed by construction services. Then you've got all the indirect labours, carpeting stores, blinding stores, all that sort of stuff. So it's it's such a big industry for them to think about shutting down that I, I can't see it really happening, to be honest. But Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Angus, uh, thank you so much for your time this evening. Uh, thank you to everyone who's joined in live, uh, wherever you are, and, and also to those who watched the replay. Uh, if you'd like to get access to my book, The Path to Freedom, please click on the link below. Be more than happy to send you a copy out once it uh, gets printed and uh, the official release date on the 3rd of August. Really, I guess that the premise is we just want to help more people to build successful businesses and you know, to create profitable businesses that can work without them because I think that uh, entrepreneurs have the ability to change the country more so than the politicians and the leaders of uh, the country and the world. And I think that... Uh, you know, we had the power to do that, not just for us, for our family, but obviously for our greater community as well. So I uh, appreciate all the support within getting our vision out there. Angus, again, thank you so much, mate, for all that you do, for who you are in our community and for jumping on uh, live tonight with me. Thank you, Barry. It's been great. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Game Changers podcast. Uh, there's a couple of things I'd love you to do to help us and help yourself to spread the message further. Uh, make sure that you like the Game Changers on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, please subscribe by clicking the link below to ensure that you keep up to date with the weekly episodes we uh, share here at the Game Changers podcast with amazing entrepreneurs and business owners around the world. And of course, like if you're in a position where you may be overwhelmed with business or looking for a way to grow faster and more effectively, and you realize that the key to success is being surrounded by amazing people who have been there and done that before, I'd like to invite you to apply to have a game plan session one-on-one -on -one with one of my team here at The Game Changers. There's no cost if you get through. Uh, all that we ask is that you are doing a minimum of $250,000 per year to really be able to utilize the strategies and tactics and the mindset shifts that we share with you, uh, that you're coachable, that you're a decent person and you're, you know, you're willing to take on board some advice. If not, 
that's totally cool. Uh, but I know for me, I wouldn't be where I'm right now without the support of so many mentors and coaches and resources along the way. And I'd like to pay that forward and give back to you the opportunity to work with uh, us one-on-one -on -one for free to put together a customized game plan. And the reason we're doing this is a couple of things. Number one is that sometimes it's just the smallest thing that can make the biggest difference. And uh, I think that entrepreneurs and business owners have the opportunity to change the world. And if we can maybe help you to, to make the smallest shift to change your life and your world, uh, you're changing ours in return. The second thing is that we are always looking for amazing clients to work with and to welcome into and invite into the Game Changers community. And so if at the end of the call, you do feel that there's a huge amount of value there, uh, that we fit, feel that there's a great value fit there, we can have a conversation about working together. But uh, this game plan call, there's absolutely no obligations to work with whatsoever. Allow us to help you with uh, the years and years and years of, of knowledge that we have in growing and scaling great companies. Companies. And uh, I think that uh, business owners are the future of the world. If there's a way that we can help you to create a better business, more profit, more fulfillment, more fun, I would love the opportunity to do that now. So click the link below, book your game plan session, make sure you follow us on social and start to date with the latest episodes of the Game Changers podcast. My name's Barry William McGinnity. Thank you so much for your support and look forward to seeing the next one. Bye for now.